What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome back to Football Americana. This week, I'm talking to Christian Fuchs, who is another person who probably doesn't need my introduction. But for those of you who haven't followed the game of soccer too closely, uh, he's an Austrian international, Premier League champion with Leicester City, a businessman, and a current member of Charlotte FC, which we're going to talk about all of those things. But to start off, Christian, really appreciate you coming on the show. Just wanted to hear a little bit from you about your youth football upbringing and kind of what set the stage for this becoming your life? Well, thanks for having me, first of all. Really appreciate that. Um, well, what, what can I say? It started very early for me. If I can believe my parents, which I usually do, they told me that my first word was ball. So it kind of set the trend then already and that at the age of eight months, I started to kick the ball around. And they knew I'm gonna make it big. <laughs> oh, I was well. I was gonna ask. I was gonna say, like, from the beginning, were you? Did you have some special talent, or like, did it take you a while I, to realize I, that? No, I, I wouldn't say special talent. I think my special talent overall was consistency and persistent in uh, trying to just become the best me that I could be. And I never had the pressure. Of, never put the pressure on myself. Of course, I had a dream, right? Everybody's dream in Austria is make it into the Bundesliga at some point, an Austrian Bundesliga. Uh, but I never went to an academy, uh, academy setup. I was even told I'm not good enough when I was 11. So I stayed very local. I was fortunate enough that I had two people uh, besides my parents that supported me along the way very much so, uh, one of which I'm still in contact with and he's running my academy in, in Austria. And having those people helped me a lot in my development because I did a lot extra besides of team training, which I think was the foundation. I was not the best player on my team, but like I told you, I had the willingness to go the extra mile, to do more every day, and eventually it worked out. Yeah. Why do you think, so at 11, you know, you were told you weren't good enough. What allowed you to think, no, if I do this extra and I stick with it, like I should still be doing this? Like I told you, I had people that helped me, that supported me. But then, you know, a message like this is never nice, especially not even not even in teenage ages. You know, I was even younger than that. But then it's about how you deal with that, right? And for me, back then, I mean, football was my life back then already. There's number one sport. I know Austria is very famous for skiing and ski jumping, but... It's still the number one sport. It's played year round. And and I was, my mindset was, okay, I'll show you. I'll show you that you're wrong. And uh, eventually I proved him right. Just a couple of years later. <laughs> yeah. And, and we'll definitely get into those couple of years later. I think it's so interesting to hear you say that because something I always talk to youth players about and stuff is that it's not, you know, the, the people who you watch on TV are not just the ones who everything came easy to them. Like they experience the same things that the young players do now. You know, you're told you're not good enough. Your confidence is down, whatever it happens. And it's, it is the reality. So it's really 
um, it's interesting to hear you talk about that and what kept your belief going. Because it's, well, it's, it's, yeah. it's glamorous when you see the Messi, Ronaldo's, whoever play, right? But the majority of players are hardworking players and those two guys as well. And there are thousands of hours extra that you have to put in place, that you have to work over years to become eventually where you want to be. It's, you know, you know, as well as I do, it's not only uh, the hard work, there's a lot of luck that comes with it as well. You have to be at the right place at the right time. You have to, have, have to be surrounded by the right people again, maybe open a door or another or drop, drop a hint to somebody, hey, have a look at that player. But at the end, it's in your hands. And what do you want to do with it? If you have a little bit of talent and you are willing to work hard, then uh, the chances raise immediately. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, it's such a good and important message, um, especially now with the, what it looks like on social media. You get a very false sense of, of what it takes uh, or it might not take to get there. But from your first experience as a pro when you went to Germany until now, talk a little bit about your development, because I think sometimes people, too, think, OK, well, once you're a professional, you know, you've made it. But the reality is many professionals, you that's when it, the journey begins. And I want to hear a little bit from you about how you learn and grew from the time you became a professional player until who you are now and how your perspective has changed. Well, my, my first club was in, in Austria. I was there for five years. It was S. Uh, which doesn't exist anymore, unfortunately. But it was, if I compare the times from back then to what's the case right now, especially with young players, you, it was much, much more tough. Much more tough. I mean, I had well-established players that were my age, where I'm right now, and they would give you a lot of, you need to sense this right now, a lot of shit. But that's what it was. Yeah, what, thank you for censoring. It was, very, it was very rough. And, you know, it was, hey, why do we need this player? If you make wrong decisions, why, why do we need him? Why is he playing here? Um, I was fortunate that my first coach, when I was 17, I turned pro. Uh, he was very, again, he was very supportive. He said, listen, if you're better than an older player, I play you because you're the future of the club. So that, that was great for me. And at the end, all those guys that were, one particular guy that was very hard on me, very rough on me, his name was Didi Kuba. He played in Spain, he played in Germany for Wolfsburg. I think it was Real Sociedad that way, he played in Spain. And he was my captain then. He was not, the, I always thought, okay, he's not a nice guy at all. But then on my last day, when I, when I made the move to, to Germany, he was like, listen, I always know you're going to make it. So he kind of, everything made sense that he kind of prepared me for the bigger world out there, where, which starts in Germany, where, where I was for seven years, eight years, pretty long time. And he was right. It's, it's getting more tough, more and more tough. And when you, when you become professional, it's still a long way to go until you are a real professional established player. I mean, you have a chance. There were two years where I had to fight for my for my position to even be in the in that roster. And I again my mentality helped me there a lot. Yeah. I'm curious if you think that it's uh has has have things changed with the newer generation or or is it a cultural thing you think? Because I think of a lot of youth players growing up in the US, at least I think don't have that experience that you're talking about where it's really tough and cutthroat. Is that a is that what we're missing in the US or is that just changed now? Nowadays, uh, well, I think it changed overall. Not only in the U.S., it changed overall. Uh, kind of where uh, white glove 
and uh, you know you have to be careful of what you're saying. But as a matter of fact, it helped me so much to be to go through this tough experience, this rough school kind of, to become who I am now and to to be resilient if things don't work your way. Because the thing that I believe is, if you don't have certain experience experiences where you have to fight for your position, where you have to really go head to head with somebody. When there comes a tough time, when you fight, okay, not in this country, but when you fight for relegation, let's say, in, uh, in Europe, you fight against relegation, I have to say. Uh, the pressure from outside, from media, from fans, can go enormously. And uh, being able to deal with that and uh, not making too much of it, but also be aware that you have to put yourself under pressure to deliver is, uh, is something that helped me going through this tough, tough education. Yeah, a lot of what you're saying really resonates with me in a different way about my upbringing in the game and the experiences I was in and how uh, how nervous I was and how I felt like it was a lot of pressure. And now I, the, my view of the new generation is it's a little bit less of that. But um, so I was curious to hear from you if it's if it's changed everywhere or if it's just maybe an American thing. But it sounds like no, it might no, be. it's not. All. No, no, not at all. I mean, you know, I'm I'm probably one of the last players from that older generation. Uh, giving away giving away my age here right now. <laughs> uh, you, can, you can Google your age. Don't worry. Uh, but I'm 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 proud of it. But you know I I'm not changing who I am, and I will not change on the field if I think somebody is uh, screwing up. I will tell them. But on the other side, I think it's also important, and that's what something that's that I've learned over time as well. It's equally important to emphasize if somebody does something well to to, to give them more confidence. Yeah. And so fast forwarding a little in your career to, um, you know, the Leicester City experience and winning the Premier League, there's there's always, I've seen and read so many takes on what made that team so special. And I think you read from everything from the physical preparation to the mentality. There's so many, I'm curious to hear from you having been part of it. Like what, what would you pinpoint as the thing that was so special about that group? What made us special was that we we, we did not have any pressure. I mean, the year before before I joined, they barely escaped relegation, right? With the great escape they had where in the last eight games, they won seven against Manchester United as well. And nobody put any pressure on you on a team that just stayed up in the, the Premier League, which was great for us. Uh, even if throughout the season, as the season prolonged, it was... Everybody just said, yeah, they will fold at some point. And, you know, it takes the pressure away from you again because nobody's expecting anything from you anyway. But internally, you know, it was kind of the same thing because all we did is, okay, we want to go out. We had the confidence. We want to go out and win every game with how we play. And we knew we can hurt any team that, that uh, we come across. And... Uh, but we never, never once said, okay, we're going to win this. The mentality was never there. It was, okay, let's get to the 40 points so we stay in the league. When we reach that, okay, what can we achieve next? Let's try to be top 10. Okay, we reach that. What's next? And so on and so on. And eventually, uh, two, three games or four games for the end of the season, Claudio Ranieri gave him, uh, a press conference where he said, okay, now we go for it. But even for me as a player, when we were in Jamie Vardy's house celebrating 
um, watching the it was a Chelsea against Tottenham game that ended 2-2 which confirmed that we are Premier League champions the only time I really really believe that we're going to become champions is when the final was it, it was never no, it's not our ambition the, the, the Tottenham's Arsenal's Manchester United Chelsea's Man City's these are the, the teams that, that should win it not freaking uh, uh, Leicester City, the little galleons there that, that fight season, everybody. No, no, it's it's just Leicester City. And um, even more proud I am of that because we, we made it happen. Yeah, and I think that that's what makes the story so, so special, even from the outside, for everybody to feel what you just said. It's like, that's not supposed to happen, but that's, I think, what makes football so exciting for everyone is that it, that can happen. Um, so yeah, talk about that moment when that final whistle blew at Jamie Vardy's house. Like, describe the scene there. Well, just go to my Twitter account. Fair, <laughs> fair, yes. No, uh, I, in anticipation of the final whistle, I was preparing my phone and uh, uh, when you see the video, it, it, was, yes. it was madness. I mean, we were yep. just screaming. Or joy, relief as well, because you still have, you know, you want it, right? When you're in this position, you want it to happen. Um, and the relief, and it was amazing. It was just pure joy and uh, happiness paired with crazy guys. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. Um, so, so fast forwarding a little, obviously now you're at Charlotte FC. And, you know, I've, I've seen you and heard you talk a little bit about Steve Walsh and his role in, in bringing you here. I'm curious to hear a little bit about what were some of your questions or concerns when he said, hey, you should come to Charlotte FC. Like, what, what were you thinking at first? What was, what was the first question that went through your mind in that, in that conversation? Honestly, I had no questions. Because Steve Walsh made me a Premier League champion. He signed me to Leicester. Um, he scouted me and signed me to Leicester. And what else do I have to ask? There's no questions asked. If he says this, this is something that can really be good for your career, to extend your career, and uh, or you can play a big part in your franchise. I'm like, it sounds very good to me. That's oh, it. Yeah, uh, that's simple. <laughs> that's simple. Yeah. It doesn't always have to be complicated. Yeah. No, and that's a good point. Uh, and- I love seeing a lot of your trust of him. <laughs> yeah, of course I do. I do, and he's around frequently. Um, and it's good to see those old faces. Yeah. Um, so, you know, talk a little bit about the experience so far and how has, has not just the experience in Charlotte, but MLS, like how does this compare to um, other experiences in your career? I got to be honest, initially I didn't know what to make of it because... I know the MLS is broadcasted overseas in England, but usually by the time the game starts, it's 1 a.m. So you cannot really follow too much of it. And by the time you know the results and the show a replay of the game, I'm really not part of watching the games anymore because I know already what's happening. Um, so I did not have... I had some knowledge, right? I, 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 I followed the growth of the MLS over the years before I came, and it's constantly getting better. But then when I, when I came here, I was really impressed overall with the talent. That it is, okay, it, it's not on a level from Europe, 
right now you can, I think it's also not fair to compare those leagues because one league is 150, 175 years old, the MLS is 26 years old. So I, I think that's not fair to compare. But but what the MLS has is it's very competitive that literally anybody can can beat anybody, which I think makes it very attractive for for the viewers or for the people that come to the to the stadium and and also how how uh, passionate fans are about the game, which I think is is very crucial to have. Um, that it's not only a game, okay, that it's the it's the fourth biggest game in the US or whatever it is. No, there's there's a good crowd there, there are passionate fans there, uh, which I think is is very important. Yeah, how would you describe um, in what way do you think the level of the game and the talent on the field is a little bit different than what you've experienced in Europe? Like, what are some of the, is there an immediate thing you notice and you say, oh, wow, and you're in this does or doesn't happen differently than Europe? I think the main thing is, and it's not, it's not about talent. It has nothing to do with talent because you see how Pulisic is playing at big clubs in Europe. So it's not the talent. I think the main difference is the intensity, intensity and uh, willingness, eventually willingness. Because if you can produce a team that is willing to run, willing to put a lot of intensity onto the field, um, trying to press hard and not giving the opponent time to build the game and play this relaxed style, which I see many times, I think you can have really a big impact on onto the, onto the league. So that, that for me, when I compare the intensity of trainings uh, and the intensity in games with, with the Premier League or Champions League or whatever it is, I think there's the biggest difference. Players are talented. There's... there's, there's I put my hands down for that. They're really good players in this league and uh, a lot of them will make their way and become great players. But I think that that's... Yeah, that's really interesting. What do you think What do you think brings that intensity? Is it the money on the line? Is it just time? Is it the promotion relegation factor? Like what, what gets it there? Well, that, that, I, think it's, I think it starts with personal ambition of, of players. Do I want to... Have I ever been exposed to a, to a bigger, higher level? Because you can see that some of those players that are coming over from Europe, they are demanding a lot more than... Uh, but then some players are coming over to, okay, this is my final year and uh, I'm going to lowball a little bit. So that, But that's not me. Uh, I mean, when I, when I commit to something or when I join a club, then I want to be successful. I mean, I mean, winning the Premier League, winning the FA Cup, just... That smell of, of success is simply too good to resist and having opportunities with, I, I think with Charlotte, we have, we have opportunities. Is it this year? I don't know. Is it next year? I, I would imagine that uh, after the first year and putting things in place to the second year, uh, the team can pick up a lot and can be a really competitive team in the league. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just thinking like having being exposed and that starts with the coaching staff 
if the coaching staff demands a lot from the players and gets them on board right away with a good philosophy with with intensity, again, I think then the players will capture that and it will become their second nature. But it has to start. It has to start with with uh, because the players are willing, right? The players are willing to learn, and uh, if you are exposed to a coach that has the experience from overseas, they will pick up on that and they will make it their own nature. Yeah, I, uh, it's, it's so interesting to hear you talk about how that shift needs to take place because it's something you know I think about now as a general manager of a club is how do we how do we get that winning mentality at our club or what's that what is that shift in either the mindset or the physical preparation or whatever it is that takes it to the next level. So it's very interesting to hear you talk about that and how it can. But the, it's, it's about the smallest thing for me. I'll give you an example, okay? When you do a passing drill or whatever it is. I don't make a proper five-yard pass. I'm getting upset with myself. It has to be like sharp into the feet, into the right foot of the player to give him the direction to send the ball with a message. This five-yard pass is equally important to me than when I do a 40-yard pass. Everything needs to be like, that has to be the mentality of a player. Okay, whatever I do, I do it properly with my best uh, abilities. That's starting there. Everything else will will follow. If you do this, the the simple things properly, then the rest will follow. Yeah, I, I know. I'm listening to you talk, and um, in so many ways, I see like how valuable this is for your teammates to hear. And then I think about you know just learning about all the things you're doing outside of the game too, on the business side, and all all of your passions. I think you just. I'm sure you know this. You have so much so much to give to the sport. So I'm curious to hear you talk a little bit about um, where you see, you know, on the business side and, and everything you're involved in, where you see that transitioning and, and what it, you know, do you have a vision for post-playing, like what your main thing is, or do you like to just have your hands in a lot of different things? Like who, who are you when you're done as a player? Well, I'm, I'm definitely not a person that just sits around on his behind. I gathered that. I gathered that. He's <laughs> lazy at home, even though I'm home now, but I just need time for you. Um, that, well, there are a lot of, like you said, there are a lot of things in place right now. I have my sports facility in upstate New York, in Warwick, which is a great project, big project, but I'm fortunate that I have an amazing wife that can run that. Um, I have, what I'm very interested in overall is uh, player development, youth player development, which is one of my heart pieces because <clears throat> Of what I told you at the very beginning, there are so many players out there that might never get a shot. You know, I have my academy for quite some time, and uh, in England especially, is right now where where it's really becoming a strong, strong academy. And uh, we have signed now several players, but to professional deals. But now we signed one in uh, in England to a club called Derby County, which is one of the highest. Uh, don't get me wrong, they are in League One now, they're relegated, but the academy itself is on the highest level in England. So we have given this opportunity, so we have made this opportunity finally available to our players to really get into the professional system. That is, yeah, I, I think it's so powerful to, to hear you talk about who you were as a, as a kid and what you have achieved in the game and then to provide that opportunity or the potential for that opportunity to someone else. Um, is, 
it's yeah. close to who, to your heart, yeah. obviously. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So providing these opportunities, but then I'm doing my uh, my UEFA license right now I'm in the process because I, I want to get coaching professional teams. Yeah. That's that's my goal. Um, it's my passion. It's my life, and um, I. I I see that with, with the teams that I played here with Shard FC where I'm playing right now, there's I can still give or I can give a lot to professional players as well with, with the experience that I have and uh, that that's another goal of mine. Yeah. Would you do you know like would you want to stay in the US and coach? Is that is that the goal or just open it up for whichever club? Well to start with, most likely, yes. To start to, to get my feet wet first. Um, Maybe it's going to be academy coaching or assistant or whatever it is. Um, but then I'm, I'm definitely eyeing with with becoming a, a regular a head coach or a manager. Yeah. yeah, I can. As you talk, I can I can hear it. I can imagine it. I hear the the halftime motivation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, you don't want to be in the halftime in the locker yeah. room. We would need a lot of a lot of beeps on this podcast to hear the halftime oh, talk. I'm sure. Oh yeah, we need them already. We're not even yeah. losing a game right now. <laughs> yeah, this is just a nice, easy conversation. We have a couple of beeps that we got to do. Um, so a, a couple more questions just about things going on in the, in the world game right now, but then we will finish up with, we have what we call our false nine, which is just nine quick, fun questions for you just to hear what comes to the top of your head. But before we do that, that fun part, um, have you been watching the women's Euros at all? I have followed it a little bit. I've not not actively uh, watched it, but I followed it a little bit, yeah. Yeah, curious your thoughts on, you know, obviously in the U.S., the women's game is incredibly big. There's unfortunately no team in Charlotte, but there's an NWSL team in North Carolina. Have you, um, throughout your time, like how much does the women's game come into your consciousness as a player or is it something that you've followed or not, not really? Or kind of how do you think about the women's game? Well, uh, I have a women's team myself. So, yeah, yeah it's... Uh, in, in England and in the U.S., because it's, especially in the U.S., it's, it's probably, I wouldn't say bigger, but I think the attention for women's football is incredible over here. And there are so many good players, honestly. It's, 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 it's very fascinating how, how some of the women's teams can really play amazing football. I mean, I've, honestly, I'll give you a little story, and, but that's now, oh my God, I'll give my age away again. That's now 15 years ago. <laughs> uh, there was one moment I played for Bochum in Germany. And I did, I, again, I did not know what to make out of women's football because you only see it on TV. And, you know, because there's not tons and tons of fans, especially back then at the stadiums. And we saw it with COVID as well. It's kind of, the atmosphere is missing. It's kind of getting boring, right? But then I watched uh, the German national, the women's national team playing, I think it was Italy or Croatia or some, something like that. And I, I was astonished with how good they are playing, with how good that game was. And the same intensity, intensity was there, the speed was there. And it was really, really exciting to watch. So ever since, ever since, I have a big interest in women's football and knowing that they're really, really, they can play well. 
feeling well. Yeah. And what you're saying is really important, I think, is a lot of times, you know, with the camera angles and the way the stadium looks, if there's not people in it, you're right. In the men's game now, everyone felt for the first time what it could look like or feel like when it's silent or there's no fan. It really does impact. uh, It impacts the viewing experience and the impression of what's going on on the field a lot, I think. So, um, yeah, I'm curious what year that was, but I'm glad to hear that story. (laughs) That was in, I can give you that date. I can give you that year. So that was 2009. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Quite some time ago. Yeah, no, it's 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 a great story though. Um, so yeah, last before we get into our kind of final questions, curious any thoughts or predictions surrounding the World Cup? Is there do you have a predicted winner or a team you think is going to impress or surprise people or any any uh, tidbits that we can go back and say, hey, he he predicted that right. <laughs> Oh, I gotta say the US. Did you have to say that? Because it's on the podcast. I don't know. Do I have to? I'm in peer pressure here right now. I'm in America. Uh, it's 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 a tough one. It's a tough one because so many, not only the bigger teams are getting better every year, and it's getting more and more competitive. For those of the so-called smaller countries, uh, starting to be competitive. I, I just saw a stat the other day from the last Euros. And it was surprisingly, I, I love to see that because it was surprising for me because I'm Austrian. And Austria played a pretty good role, but they are also one of the smaller nations overall. But they were with the stats, like building the game and bringing the game forward into the attacking third with passing, were I think the top four teams. So based on that, and England with passing and bringing the ball forward was one of the weakest teams. But we all know the, how England performed well. and um, So that's why it's hard to, to pick a favorite. It's really hard to pick a favorite. I think you always have to name the traditional favorites that are always there. But I would like to see, you know, I like underdog stories. I really do like them. So it really doesn't matter who it is, but if somebody can make something happen again that that fascinates people and that makes people even more excited watching the World Cup, that would be great. Yeah, I, I agree. Those stories are always great to get behind. The team that you don't know you're behind until the games start and then you realize everyone's wanting them to win. Um, okay, our false nine. So these are just nine kind of quick questions. Whatever comes to mind first. Uh, some of them are kind of fun and funny. Um, first, what all-time match would you want to attend as a spectator? Any match that's happened ever through history? Oh. oh. Honestly, I don't have a particular one, but uh, but I would like to see some of the games from, uh, it was, honestly, that's in the 40s, 50s. I would like to see, experience one of those games. Uh, and it was a completely different game. I would really like to, 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 to really see how the game changed. That would fascinate me. It's not a particular game. It can be maybe an Austrian game with uh, Paninka and all those guys. Uh, but seeing one of those games, travel back in time and uh, experience the difference, that would, that would fascinate me. Yeah, the, the evolution has been phenomenal. So I can imagine that would be quite an interesting experience. Uh, you have to pick some, somebody to take a penalty to save your life. Who takes it? Oh, save my life. So I cannot take it myself? You can, if you would trust yourself with your own life. 
Yeah, I have to. I have to. Yeah, yeah. I'm in charge of my own life. I have to. <laughs> uh, okay, you're, yeah, you're up. No pressure. Um, the, the first match you remember watching? It was a game between... Uh, it was in, in the, the stadium of, of Vienna, the Hapo Stadium. And it was the Champions League final between Ajax Amsterdam. Was it Milan? AC Milan? I don't know, but it was Kloivert, actually Kloivert, when he was in his first years, when he scored the winning goal. Not a that, bad match to, to watch. <laughs> that, that was a long time ago. Yeah. Was, I think that's 30 years ago now, or, or 25 years or something. Well, in tandem with that, I'm curious, who'd you have a poster of in your room growing up? Like, who were your, who was your Eric, idol? Eric Cantona. Love it. Not, not because of his Kung Fu kick. <laughs> Just because of his aura, of his presence. He always had the column up. I mean, yep. like <laughs> um, But just because he was a real leader, I loved, I loved him. Yeah. Uh, your favorite stadium you've played in? a couple of years in my head. Yeah, you've played in several stadiums. So you yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, honestly, there are a couple of them, but the, the, the best game that I played myself was the Community Shield final against Manchester United in Wembley, where it was 100,000 that there was a place to walk out. And we had on the, it was on the left side where we walked up. Everything was blue. And literally, you could draw a line on the far side of the stands, and everything was red on the other side. And that, that was incredible. Yeah, that atmosphere. Uh, I can understand why that was your best. Um, all-time teammate with the best dance moves. You can say yourself, but then we would need a demo. I'm, I'm not saying I'm a, I'm a bad dancer. All-time... <laughs> Oh, ah. We'll throw this to now. Or you can say just some of the best dancers in the locker rooms you've been in, if it's a list. No, it's not a list. No. Um, you're talking about the worst dancer, right? Oh, well, we could have that. One. I said the best, but I am the curious best. the worst. The best. We'll also hear the worst. I'll gladly hear that one too. The best. The best dancer was. Kelechi Iannaccio. And the worst was Kelechi Iannaccio. <laughs> I mean, now was, I really want to I, 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 could, I could say the same with Wilson and Didi because they were always dancing together. Uh, and they thought they were dancing really well, but they were the only ones dancing. But at the same time, I mean, they have good moves, honestly. They, <laughs> they really moved to, to the African music, which they always played. It really moves well, and it's a good beat, good rhythm. <laughs> but honestly, uh, I, I thought, eventually I thought they were really making fun of themselves. <laughs> I can only imagine. I, I'm like picturing what, what was going on. I can only imagine. <laughs> so last couple, uh, your favorite pair of sneakers? I have a completely white pair of sneakers, zero branding on it. Very simple. Talking about simplicity again, right? That... I just will never throw away. 
Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. They are just sliding. Even they have laces, but you slide in, you slide out. All the issues. Great. Uh, your go-to snack. My go-to snack. Um, I have no go-to snack. You know, okay. What are you drink? What are you drinking in your mug then? Oh, that's coffee. Oh, that's coffee, not a snack. Okay. That's not a snack. Yeah, no, no, I know. I was just curious. I like coffee. I like coffee. My go-to snack. Hmm. I've never had this question. I have no. I have no. <laughs> this was going to be of all the questions and the in-depth analysis you gave. This is the one that is hard for you. <laughs> I, have, I have no. Yeah, but because I was never asked that question, don't have my three question, my three answers yeah. to find out that just can pick and choose from. <laughs> I would say uh, Takis, hot Takis. Okay. Blue, okay. blue Takis. It has to be blue Takis though. Okay. And, and next time now you have this prepared for next time you get asked that. <laughs> next, no, I need to say something else. Next. But this is number one. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, last question. If you ever play pickup football, what's your pet peeve? Like, what could people do when you play for fun that just you just hate? Uh, just pick up football? Well, you know, it should be, like you said, it should be fun, right? So if you have one of those players that are super uh, over-motivated and don't see it as fun, but see it as a, as a challenge and uh, try to show up, don't show up. Next thing you know, yeah, you get next. So just, just, Keep it simple, have fun, and uh, enjoy the moment. Yeah, I can imagine a player playing against you in a, a casual game. It's their chance to play Christian Fuchs, so maybe they take it too seriously. Oh, wow, wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much. I really, um, in listening to you talk, I can, I can imagine you as a coach. I can imagine you leading the way for, for the next generation of youth, and I think uh, they'll be very lucky. Whoever you coach will be very lucky to hear from you. So appreciate your time and your insight and wishing you the best of luck. Appreciate it. Thank you very much, Fred. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.